0: Welcome in friends and well-wishers. This is indeed the new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawoski. He of 670 the score of the I'm Fat Podcast and also the owner of the highest credit score in the history of the world. I believe his credit score is 2,427.
1: That's the biggest damn lie you've ever told. <laughs>
0: Jay, how does it feel to have perfect credit and unlimited uh, opportunities to buy things?
1: I'll let you know. I'll let you know when that <laughs> day comes, but it's it's not here yet, and I don't see it coming anytime soon, especially since I bought my brand new fancy podcast toy, which is definitely going to hurt my credit so that's that's you know that that's I, I believe that's what for
0: sure. happened what happened actually when you bought it is you actually dropped your pants. you were so excited. I'm just you gonna to
1: s- on the button there. Yeah, hit it right <laughs> in the button there. I did. Nailed it. I have to tell you, the dopamine hit when I ordered that thing was like, oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah. That's for some reason this is this is for my mom. Like retail therapy is a thing for me. Mm. Like oh oh, I got to buy something. Yes, I probably shouldn't have bought that. Yes, that was orgasmic.
0: As long as you justify it to your wife, that's all that matters. And speaking of orgasmic, whoa, whoa, three out of four whoa, Wait three, a minute. Three out of can, four points. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you can't segue
1: from my wife to orgasmic.
0: Wait, why can't I? That's I don't understand pro- the problem. There needs to be
1: at least three dots between orgasmic and my wife. Dot, Would you dot, like dot. me to
0: try that again?
1: <laughs> yes, please.
0: All you have to do is get the you know permission from your wife to buy the thing, and you'll be fine. Oh, and also speaking of orgasmic, the Chicago Blackhawks have finished up their two-game series against the Carolina Hurricanes, getting three out of four points and running their record to four, four and four on the season. They also have 44 games left, by the way. So four is clearly wild with the Blackhawks. They beat the Carolina Hurricanes six to four this evening at the United Center Jay Zawoski. we discussed before these two games how important they were for the Blackhawks to kind of get to see them against one of potentially the best teams in the NHL. And I got to say, there were moments that, you know, I'm sure we will discuss in the coming uh, 45 minutes or so where things didn't look so great for our beloved boys in red. But I think overall, they acquitted themselves very well in this series. And I think that they showed a lot of why. They're honestly playing at a higher level than we had anticipated, and they very much deserve the three points that they got.
1: Hold that thought right there. Got to tell everybody how to get in touch with us. MadhousePod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at MadhousePod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. I promise you the Instagram is going to become a lot more active, so get on there. I actually came up with a cool like Canva template for our videos to promote each podcast, so there's going to be a lot more content on there. And on nights, we don't do a full post game. Me or James will jump on there and give a little wrap-up video as well. So follow Mm. that Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. Check out our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Get some Madhouse Podcast merch at madhousepodmerch.com. For links to everything we do, madhousepod.com is your one-stop shop. Okay, before we begin today's podcast... I want to put this out there for Hawks fans who are maybe spoiled. Maybe they're just natural pessimists, whatever. If you're going to wait for a perfect Hawks game to enjoy this season, you might as well just sit out. This is not a perfect team. They're never going to play a perfect game. But if you can't be satisfied with taking three out of four points from Carolina being incredibly competitive against one of the better teams in hockey that had just won five in a row and is just starting to get healthy. I can't help you. This is exciting. And, yeah, there's going to be moments that make you cringe. No lead is going to feel safe, et cetera, et cetera. But, damn it, man, the Hawks can't, are balling out. They are giving everything they can, and they're hanging in there against some pretty good teams. And don't look at the metrics. They're going to make you throw up. It's going <laughs> to happen. It's Like, it's just – They're not close to these Stanley Cup caliber teams, but guess what? They're getting points from them, and that is something that I think if we were trying to predict how the season would go, none of us saw this happening. None of us us thought that they would be as far as they are right now, and I don't know. I, I have nothing but positive feelings about this team right now.
0: Uh, and the thing that I, I'm probably taking the most stock in is that a lot of the contributions that are being made right now are being made by some of the younger guys on this roster. You had uh, Nicholas Bode the other night played 20 minutes in the game on Tuesday night, got his first career point tonight. You have obviously Philip Kurashev, who's been bumped up to basically top-line center on this team right now. You have Pia Suter, who's having an excellent start to the season, had a great screen on one of the goals tonight, and I believe he had an assist as well. You look up and down this lineup at some of the young guys, and they're just – they're contributing all over the place. The energy level the young guys are bringing is off the charts. You know – Every single time Brandon Hagel is on the ice, he's doing something good and was their best uh, Corsi player tonight, by the way. So you just, you look up and down, this roster and you look where the contributions are coming from. Yes, you are getting a ton of production out of Patrick Kane, who had four points tonight. Yes, you are getting a ton of production out of Alex DeBrincat, who has four points in his first two games back from the COVID list. But more importantly, you're getting a lot of jump from a lot of young players who are playing with a ton of confidence and are playing really good hockey. And I didn't even mention Kevin frickin' Lankinen in that entire lengthy answer that I just gave you in the discussion we're having. It's amazing how, with how much confidence these young guys are playing with right now.
1: No, there's no doubt about it. And uh, Kevin Lankinen gave up, you know, four goals this game. Uh, I think that the the one that gave Carolina the, the tie in the second period probably wants that one back. Kind of a bad rebound kicked right out into the slot. But other than that, he was fine. He was good. Made a great post-to-post save in the second period. Uh, I'm just overall very, very pleased. And look, you look at the score sheet from tonight's game. It's Kane. It's Debrinkit. It's Janmark. It's a lot of the veteran guys got it done tonight. Patrick Kane with four points. When Patrick Kane plays pissed off, man, (laughs) man, is he hard to stop.
0: When he can score with one hand, you know he's in a good spot.
1: But those flashes from those kids and Hagel blowing past Dougie Hamilton. I know Hamilton was at the end of a shift, yada, 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 whatever. That's your fourth liner, a guy who wasn't even in the lineup on opening day, blowing by one of the premier defensemen in the NHL. There's just so many positives to talk about. Just big picture. Look, this game on its own was was great. The Hawks got outplayed pretty badly in the second and third periods but came away with a win. But just overall, the way they're hanging in there with – teams they really have no business hanging in with you and i were sort of dreading looking ahead to carolina and dallas okay and you take three out of four from carolina you very easily could have taken four points right Mm -hmm. if the shootout goes another way now you've got the juggernaut up next in dallas and i don't know man bring it on now i'm more curious to see wow okay i was a little bit scared of carolina i'm a little more scared of dallas but Mm-hmm. So far, so good against Carolina. Let's see what they have against the best of the best. I'm really curious to see how it's going to look.
0: Okay, so we are going to get to the Dallas talk. I believe we'll probably do that in the second segment. There are a couple other headlines that are I'm going to want to hit on during that segment. But I think for right now, it's a really good time to kind of take stock of where the Blackhawks are based on what they showed us against Carolina. And, yes, it's a two-game sample size. It's 128th of the season, whatever you want to call it. Let's get let's get down to brass tacks here. The Carolina Hurricanes came into this series having won four games in a row. They came into this series with, I believe, the fifth best penalty killing unit in the entire NHL. So Right off the bat, that's going against something that has been – and this sounds insane to say it based on what we've seen the last few years with this team – that goes right against one of the Blackhawks' big strengths this season, which is their power play. They have been so good on the man advantage, and it hasn't just been one guy or one unit. It's been all ten guys who were iced during those plays. They've been fantastic, and then they came into this series going up against one of the league's best penalty kills – all they did was score four goals in two games, Jay. That's all four out of seven. Ho-hum. Not too, not too shabby, right?
1: The fact that the power play is functional, and not only functional, but good to Dangerous. very good. Mm-hmm. And, man, I think we have forgotten over the years the, the impact Andrew Shaw can have on a power play. And Eddie Olchek mentioned it during the broadcast. The importance of puck retrieval on a power play cannot be overstated. The fact that you have a guy willing to go in there into a corner and win a puck and take a puck and keep a play alive, it's not always just the willingness to do it. There is some skill involved to digging a puck off the boards and quickly getting it into a safe area or an accurate pass into the slot or whatever. That's where Andrew Shaw has has thrived as a Blackhawk and throughout his career, and his impact on the power play to me, I think going into the year, I was kind of like, hey, I don't want to see Andrew Shaw on a power play, but man, when you've got a team that's up against it talent wise, most nights, if you've got a power play that can convert as often as the Hawks are, that's going to keep you in a ton of games. And we've talked about that for years. Mm -hmm. The way you keep a below average team is to have an elite special team for the first time in I don't know how long the Hawks have an elite power play.
0: And kind of what boggled my mind tonight and really impressed me was the variety of ways in which they did score on the yeah. power play. You had Yanmark mm-hmm. driving hard to the net, and by the way, no idea what Dougie Hamilton was doing on that play. I know that you were just singing his praises, but that was kind of a bad play by him, and a great shot by Yanmark, too. And then you had Dominic Kubalik, who got the benefit of, I believe that was Bodan's first ever assist on what ended up being kind of a whiff shot at the point, and Kubelik fires it in. Who's in front of the net it's Suter who has been that guy on that power play unit basically playing the Andrew Shaw role on the second power play unit he helps screen the goalie on that one and Kubelik scores and then Andrew Shaw comes in at the end of the period just filthy hands that he had on that play basically got hit by the puck was calm enough to collect it and scoop it past Reimer the fact that the Blackhawks aren't just relying on little pretty passing plays which they (laughs) have they've done it and they've looked really good doing it this season they're also getting to those dirty areas and they're scoring too and if you can score in that kind of variety of ways on the power play you become so much more difficult to stop and again Carolina is a pretty darn good penalty-killing team, and the Blackhawks took them to school in these two games.
1: They absolutely did, and we've talked about this for a long time. Sometimes the simplicity is what makes a power play work. And yeah, they've got the skill to score some sick highlight reel goals, but it seems like they move the puck quickly from person to person, somebody gets open, someone finds that space, boom, the puck's on net, and then there's someone right there, be it Shaw, be it Suter, whoever is right there for the rebound you've even seen Dylan Strom scoring some goals up close in the slot up in front of the net Alex to goal the non-empty netter was uh, off a rebound right in front of the net the Hawks are going to these tough areas which is something over the last few seasons I don't think we've seen them do and this is what you're seeing some of these young guys mature like Strom like to learning okay, look, I'm not with the Erie Otters anymore. I'm not going to be able to just dominate every shift I'm on. How do I have success in the NHL? And both those guys are now learning. And we talked about this with DeBrinckit last year where Bowman and a lot of other people said, look, while his numbers were way down, it was his best all-around season Mm -hmm. as a player. He was the most complete player he's ever been last year. Now you're seeing the luck sort of even out with DeBrinckit and you're seeing him figure out how to play in all three zones And he's looking like a very complete hockey player, and he's only 23. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why, you know, people are talking to me about the Hawks. and are like, why are you so optimistic? I go, there's a lot of stuff here that we weren't expecting, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't expecting, um, you know, we expected to and Strom to take a step. Probably more so to than Strom. But Bodan to be here and to be a factor and to be a key player. And, you know, uh, we thought Mitchell would be good. But Suter arrives, Kurashev arrives. Those are three guys who you weren't really sure what they were going to be. And they've come out and been absolute assets. Pia Suter was your number one center today. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he doesn't look out of place. He looks like, you know, it doesn't look like he's adjusting to the NHL game. He's here, he's contributing, and he's got the full trust of the coaching staff. And here's what I find myself thinking as I look back at the defense. Adam Bocas will be back soon. How do you sit? Bodan, you've got to sit in the Nikita Zadorov. I'm sorry. He's mm. been terrible. Yeah. And we have plenty of time to get into some of the negatives tonight, we will. But how do you if when Adam Bukaus comes back, how do you look at Nicholas Bodan in the face and say, sorry man. Four shot attempts, a hit and three block shots for Nicholas Bodan tonight.
0: Yeah, and only played 11 minutes, which I thought was kind of interesting after playing more than 20 minutes in Tuesday night's game. I'm wondering if uh, Colleton was just hoping to not let him burn out too much by playing him too much right off the bat, or what exactly the uh, decision making process looked like. Well, I
1: also want to see, in the same vein, what happened with Kuryshev. Kuryshev was an assist, uh, had an assist, but only played 6.56 today, only 13 shifts. So I don't know if there's some sort of injury for Kuryshev or if it was some kind of benching, but uh, I don't know. That, it's kind of weird. I, I guess you want to, when games are close, you want to do what you can to get those two points, but I don't know, Khrushchev wasn't doing anything in my eyes to to lose ice time.
0: No, and I mean, you you saw him get bumped up to that top-line center spot briefly. I mean, it's not like the Blackhawks really have a reason to be dissatisfied with his play, and I didn't really see anything on, at least from my perspective, that would have happened that would have caused him to get bumped down that list. By the way, before we get too far down the track here, I did want to uh, potentially throw out my shoulder, patting ourselves on the back and saying (laughs) that Suter is basically what we kind of advertised that he might be because of the fact that he was so well-seasoned and played so much in Europe, and he clearly has come over to the NHL with a lot of confidence, and it really hasn't taken him much time at all to kind of find his footing and to be an effective NHL player, and the fact that he does so many things well makes him a really versatile weapon, so I've I've obviously been banging the suitor drum since training camp, basically. I've been on that bandwagon, and I have been very impressed with his play and to your point about Bodan I just I like you cannot see a scenario where you can legitimately argue that you can pull him off the ice right now like yeah there might be times where you decide that you know three out of four games whatever you're not sure about his conditioning whether he's ready to play that much my big question isn't just when Boquist comes back it's when and if Brent Seabrook ever comes back isn't he's like your seventh or eighth guy right now, right? Like, I don't think there's any question about that.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's any sort of pending return. They're, they're talking about it very vaguely. Like, yeah, he's skating, but he's not really close. You know, it doesn't feel like they're in any mood to rush him back. And I, I don't know. I, what I've liked about Calton is that, and this is from day one is if the veterans deserve to be sat, they sit. And if the kids deserve to be in a the lineup, they're in a the lineup. Now you could, you can quibble with some of the ice time assignments, right? And who plays more than others. But the fact that you've got, you know, some veteran guys sitting like, like Walmart is a good example. Walmart was healthy scratch. So kids could play, mm-hmm. you know, and if this season's truly about development, that's the way it should be. I don't see Brent Seabrook. Maybe they'll bring him in and let him play a game or two, but I, I don't see him being a guy to who's going to threat, threaten taking anyone out. Um, And the Hawks just picked up Madison Bowie, who played with Detroit last year, uh, and he was moved from the taxi squad to, like, the Hawks practice roster. So I don't know if he's going to get a look here soon. He's 25 years old uh, and probably just a guy, just another depth piece, especially with Rockford going to have so many guys up here. But as the young options keep coming... That's just another kind of nudge out the door for Brent Seabrook, and maybe that's just what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to see if they can get him to accept a trade and they eat half the salary or two-thirds of the salary and just move on. I don't know, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. That's going to be something that to keep an eye on, but it doesn't feel like it's happening anytime soon. But, James, you know what's happening very, very soon? What's that? On Sunday for the big game. I don't know if I can use the official word for the big game the football match you know you know what I'm talking about right
0: uh who is it atletico madrid and somebody
1: it is yes it is uh i placed a big catering order for fry the coop and i cannot wait i got my text message your order will be ready sunday between 11 and 2 like, yes hell yes i cannot wait right it will be i placed my order at fry the coop you should too go to frythecoop.com get some of the best damn hot chicken you've ever had oakland elmhurst west town prospect heights and coming in march to tinley park dude i'm really considering just parking my car outside the uh, tinley park location <laughs> until they open but i'm gonna have to make a little detour on sunday to go to oak Lawn and get my order but i uh, cannot wait got a bunch of friends who ordered on with us so we're gonna just split the order up three ways and deliver them around town and it's gonna be the best super bowl ever go to fry the coop get those tenders get that donut fried chicken sandwich yeah you heard that right chicken and waffles uh but the money the tenders—that's what you get the first time. Try the tenders, and here's the secret: get that spicy honey butter. That takes fry the coop from a ten to a fifty in taste. It's just absolutely amazing. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at fry the coop. All right, there are a couple things we should probably address from tonight's game that were not, maybe not perfect. Tough night for Dehan. Tough night for Connor Murphy. And before we get into that, I'm going to have you take a guess here, James. A Blackhawk had a Corsi percentage of 1667. Would you like to guess who it was?
0: I'm going to guess that it was... You know what? I'm going to guess Patrick Kane. Why not?
1: Matthias Janmark.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: Who had two points in the game, four shot attempts for 20 against with him on the ice. Yikes. I don't know...
0: Like, doesn't it feel like something we should notice? You would think, yeah. Like, usually, <laughs> usually like a 35, 40% Corsi guy. I can kind of see that going under the radar, but 16.7%, yeah, that's a little worse. By the way, Patrick Kane, 31% tonight, second worst Corsi on the Blackhawks. So, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility when I guessed his name. So, stuff happens i guess
1: no it's a good guess most nights for kane because we as we say often he's just not a possession driver he's a one he's a one and done chance generator and you know very often they work because he's awesome and amazing and a hall of famer but uh man i was just shocked and i read um i forget if it was powers or lazarus but one of the guys in the athletic wrote about how Yanmark's marks just a terrible driver of possession but you watch the game and he's very effective my yeah. dad my dad texted me tonight who's this Janmark guy he's good like yeah he's, he's he's out there making plays all the time
0: yeah i i've been very i was very slow to warm to him well as slow as you can be in a 56 game season i thought the first few games that he played I wasn't overly impressed but he's real. he's really started to kind of put his foot on the gas lately and he's been productive like we had mentioned some other guys who are you know being productive in a lot of different ways in a lot of different zones Janmark seems like he's one of those guys he always seems to be willing to mix it up in the neutral zone he's shown really good hands around the net as we saw in his goal tonight he's a guy that I think I had mentioned this on the last podcast, but I think it bears repeating. If you add him to like one of those Stanley Cup playoff rosters in 2013 or 2015, what a third-line weapon that dude would be. And right now, he's playing a really good brand of hockey, and I've been really impressed with him. And that that number is honestly really shocking to me.
1: It's absolutely shocking. And whatever category you want to look at in the fancy stats, he's at the bottom. It's very, very strange. I don't know. I just gotta keep my eye on that next game because I I read that in Lazarus or or Scotty's piece and I was like, is that right? Is he really getting killed in possession that often? And uh, the, tonight's game evidence that. But if you look at the flow chart of this one, the game flow, I wouldn't
0: advise it. Oh
1: man! But it doesn't matter. The Hawks win the game six to four, and they're competitive and they're playing hard and they're playing, um, you know, evenly matched games with really really good teams they outshot them 35 34 it's i i just i can't help but be really really uh i guess maybe proud is a thing to say because none of us expected this none of us saw this coming the most optimistic hawk fan in the world wasn't going to say oh yeah they're going to be they're going to they'll take two or three from carolina and they're going to be competitive in every game they play no no one thought that and you watch them play Tampa, and we're like okay <laughs> yeah this is exactly what we thought it was going to be but it hasn't been, and it's been awesome and it's been really refreshing and a lot of fun and like I said, if you're not having fun watching this Hawks team, then i don't I can't help you you get, like they're not gonna win a Stanley Cup this year they're not gonna win it every year, but the fact that they've made this progress this quickly means that their window is gonna reopen much sooner than I think we thought it was
0: mm-hmm. And and obviously, there are a few caveats we can throw on that. There being 44 games left in the season, yada, yada. I can also throw on the caveat that they're missing their two best centers. So right. you really want to get into the you know argument here. That's something I can easily throw back in your face. But I think you nailed the most impressive thing for me in terms of the Blackhawks so far this season. They have been just flat-out fun to watch. We were worried that some of these games were just going to be an absolute slog, and we were going to really struggle to kind of watch these games and evaluate them and not be overly critical and all those things that we had concerned ourselves with. Outside of those first couple of Tampa games, to be completely honest with you, the Blackhawks have been fun to watch this season. And I think a big part of that has been the impact that the young guys have had at a very early age and very quickly in their NHL careers. And I have been really impressed with a lot of those youngsters and a lot of the new faces on this team. And I think that that's something that we can take heart in. And it's something that we can kind of keep an eye on moving forward. I did... I wanted to talk about Nikita Zadorov since we're kind of getting into the more negative territory, I guess, of tonight's game. I thought he had a few nice plays tonight. I thought that Zadorov. there are still times where he definitely looks like he's fighting it. He's overthinking things, just a step slow, whatever you want to call it. There were a few instances tonight where he made – he had some flashes tonight, I'm hoping – that that ultimately translates into something. He still was a negative Corsi player tonight. It was only at 38% in Corsi. Had 23 shot attempts against his line while he was on the ice. He is a guy that if he can somehow turn it around, I think some of these games that the Blackhawks end up losing in overtime, you maybe start earning some of those second points if a guy like Zdorov does end up kind of coming through in the clutch and making some better defensive plays because he can throw hits all day. But if he's going to keep getting caught flat-footed or out of position, that's a serious issue for this team. And I thought that at the very least tonight, maybe a little bit of a glimmer of hope we'll see how he looks on Sunday against a really talented Dallas
1: yeah team. you said it right he he does have the look of a guy that's fighting it I'm definitely seeing him kind of battle himself with the puck right like you'll see a very simple clear he'll have a he'll have sort of trouble advancing it out of the zone or whatever I've seen a lot of moments like that from him lately and I feel like that could be the result of okay I haven't been playing great and we've talked about this with Adam Boquist early in the years the overthinking the not not using your instincts to play hockey and you're thinking about everything you do that makes you a step slow that means the obvious becomes difficult and there was a moment in the game where he was wide open on the right, on the right side all he had to do was advance the puck out of the zone and he sort of just like whiffed on a wide open pass when you see guys doing that that's telling you there's something between the ears that's causing difficulties and i think that's what we're seeing with Zadorov and look When Boquist does come back, maybe sitting him for a game just to slow him down and say, all right, like catch your breath, new team, new system. Most of the year he's been paired with someone with single-digit games under their belt, right? It's been Mm -hmm. Bodan or it's been Carlson or whoever he's been paired with. It's guys who haven't played a lot. So he's got that sort of veteran responsibility there too. He's also trying to make a good impression on his new city on, in a contract here so there's a lot of things to sort of consider here and I I caution people about this all the time don't evaluate him based on who he was traded for that's not his fault Brandon Todd being good in, Car- in Carolina in Colorado is not Nikita Zadorov's fault and it should not affect the way you critique him Stan Bowman absolutely absolutely but Zadorov the player should not start from you know, behind the eight ball just because he was the guy traded for sod. So I think there is a bit of a closer eye on him than maybe some other players because people want to see, okay, what do we give up? Why do we give up Sod to get this guy? And there's more focus on every little move he makes. Mm -hmm. Much like we were early in the year with Boquist, right? We probably noticed more of his mistakes than other guys because we're watching him more closely. Sure.
0: Uh, I do want to I think this is a good time then to bring up the question of with the addition of Madison Bowie into the mix with the Blackhawks. Do you think that when Boquist gets activated off the COVID list, do you think there's a chance he goes to Rockford instead of coming back to Chicago? No, I think Boquist is going to play when he's back. I I think he... but there's your question. Who's he going to replace?
1: Yeah, I mean, the easy thing to do is just replace Bodin. Easy for me to say, but maybe this is an opportunity to give Calvin DeHaan a night off and say, oh, you know, veteran night
0: or whatever. But do you only want Boquist playing sporadically, or do you want him playing consistently?
1: Well, if he's in, he's going to be on the power play. That like that's for sure,
0: and that's where they've had Bodan. I will point out they had him quarterbacking the power play tonight. I think you could do both. You have two units. I I don't want to see Bodan sit. You would take Duncan Keith off of the power play unit with how well that group's been playing. Um, maybe. I get it's a development I mean, thing, but I also get it's a super effective team morale building thing, too.
1: No, I understand. And I, I look, I think that on a power play, you have the possibility where you can play, you know, guys with the same handedness. You can play guys on different sides. I think there's a lot of possibilities there.
0: I don't I, get the sense they're going to a two defenseman power play, though. I don't I don't think the system that they've been deploying and operating in. Right. I don't think it would work.
1: I just. I can't see a scenario where Bocos is healthy and he doesn't play. He is still, aside from Kirby Doctor, top prospect, and had seemed to start to hit his stride a little bit mm-hmm. before uh, the, the, whatever it is he's dealing with. I don't know if he has COVID or if he was exposed or whatever the hell it is. We don't know. Um, but he's, I, I, don't, I just don't think he's going to get Wally pipped by Nicholas Baudin. I just don't see it I, happening. But I, I would want to see if they if they sit somebody. I don't want it to be a kid.
0: Right. And that's exactly yeah. my point. I don't think Bodan has done anything to warrant. If And by the way, if you're pulling Bodan out of the lineup for Boquist, for the love of God, send Bodan down and get him playing every day.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Bodan, at the same time, picked up a point tonight, but he's not, you know, I, I don't know if he's done a ton to warrant power play time, aside from being the best offensive option they had. Boquist in six games has uh, three assists, two of them on the power play. He's your best puck moving defenseman, probably aside from Duncan Keith. So I don't know. I It's a good problem to have, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I just I, I, I just don't want to see Adam Boquist come back and not play. And I don't know. Maybe you say, maybe you do send him to Rockford and say, you know, play and get your endurance back or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, and I don't know, maybe you know the answer to this. If he gets called up from Rockford, does he have to quarantine again?
0: Uh, that's a great question. I don't know how the AHL call-ups are working this season. I yeah. believe there is. I think there's a quarantine period and a couple of COVID tests you have to pass. I don't think it's a two week thing or anything crazy like that, but I would imagine there is some element of quarantine and passing tests if you do want to come back up. And I will also say to kind of put a little bit of a bow on this conversation, I will mention that I am not envious Of the decision that has to be made here. And I also, I don't think there's a wrong move to make here either. I think that this is one of those things where you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. I think that they'll make a decision and we just kind of have to live with it because there's no, to me... There's no real compelling argument in either direction that would make the other option be wrong and bad. So I'm just going to let them make it, and whatever happens, happens.
1: Yeah, and we'll you know we'll react accordingly. They got two really tough games coming up here, and I know you don't want to mess with any sort of mojo or momentum or anything. Um, but it's I,
0: all about development, man. That's yeah. that's the that is the key word, and I just I think that you're. You're just fine having Boquist or Bodan in the lineup from a development perspective. I just don't think that you can have one of those guys riding the bench here consistently. I would rather have them in Rockford playing more often than not.
1: Well, that's the other thing is, you know, what's going on with Carlson, too, because that, that, that's a factor as well. So, I don't know. They Suddenly, <laughs> you know, they've got a, a – a, they had some depth on the blue line entering this year, but none of it was – really eh, you're kind of not sure about it but Carlson's look good Bodan's look good um Bocas started looking good towards the end before he went on the COVID list so uh like I said these guys are sort of developing faster than expected mm-hmm. and maybe there's a trade coming who knows I I mean at some point they're gonna have to make room for these guys yeah right like and you trade Calvin Hahn you trade Connor Murphy those are those definitely make your team worse. But if you can get a prospect for one of those guys or a draft pick for one of those guys, a second-round pick for one of those guys, I don't know if that's too high, too low. I don't know. I really don't know what the market value is for either of them. But if you can get a legit prospect for one of those two, maybe a forward, then you got to think about doing it. You yeah. really do. Because, look, I love Hagel. I love Highmore. You know, David, Cam- like those, those fourth-line guys have been great. But how many of them do you need right Mm -hmm. like at some point highmore and hagel and i think right now i like hagel a lot more than highmore
0: (laughs) yeah i don't think there's a question there
1: it's nothing against highmore either i just think when i watch hagel play i'm like that guy's more effective and now you've got reese johnson who's played well yep and you've got this i said they've got like the farm of fourth liners like no, up, that was hey. me, you jerk. Yeah, whatever. We we all we're the same person. Everyone thinks we're <laughs> brothers, anyway. Uh, um, but it's you, you just are growing these fourth liners like they're growing on trees. Um, I don't know. It's, at some point, there's only so many spots on the roster, and you want these young guys to play. At some point, you got to make room for them. You, you're not going to trade Kane. You're not going to trade Brinkett. You just brought in Soderberg. Like I, I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe they trade Soderberg soon. Or sooner than you think. I don't know. It's a it's a good problem to have. I'm glad that this is what we're worried about right now and not the Hawks you know, having one win in their first 12 games or something like that. Oh, you mean like
0: the Ottawa Senators? Yeah. But they got oh, Matt sorry, Murray, sorry. They beat Montreal tonight, so oh, those maybe Montreal, I should shut up. Oh, those Montreal uniforms. Okay. You oh. know what? We... We can talk about that coming out of the break. Mm. I have a take on those Montreal uniforms, and as a fellow uniform connoisseur, I want to get your feedback on it, but I think we can wait till after the break to do that.
1: All right, let's tell everybody about our friends at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. I placed my order for the new Wood Barrel Bourbon Scented Soap, and I just just look out my window all day, kind of <laughs> sad, just waiting for the delivery guy to show up so I can try it and go take a shower right away. Dr. Squatch Day is one of my favorite days of the month. It, it really does bring me joy when I see that package arrive on my porch. And you will, too. Go to DrSquatch.com. Check out their selection of handmade USA soaps, the hair care kit, the tooth but, the toothpaste, the shampoo, the conditioner, the beard oil, the cologne. Uh, what am I forgetting? Deodorant, candles, anything you need to smell good, look good, feel good. Dr. Squatch has your back. Go to DrSquatch.com. Check out the website, peruse the website when you're ready to check out. Enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. That'll save you 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time, which we always appreciate. Really good month for us, by the way, with you guys using Dr. Squatch. So We greatly appreciate it. I know we got a lot of new Squatch users uh, because I can see, I can look and see, like, wow, look at all the people that used our promo code. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, If you've not tried it, now's the time. Invest in yourself, invest in your health, invest in your skin and your hair you're going to feel better you're going to look better you're going to smell better that's a trifecta my friend drsquatch.com promo code madhouse20 we'll be back with more on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: oh i gotta love that tunage coming back in from break this is the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we are talking about the Red Hot. No, not Red Hot Chicago Blackhawks. But, hey, 4-4-4 four, four, four is pretty dang good. So we will take that. Speaking of pretty dang good, before the break, tease you guys with a little bit of a jersey talk, which I know everybody just loves when we get into uniform talk on this podcast. So I have to mention, first off, really do like the Montreal blue reverse retro jerseys that they were wearing tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like them with the blue uniform pants. I think they should have been red. Am I crazy? I feel like that's kind of an obvious thing that they missed, especially since the shades of blue are so, so different. No. No?
1: No, you're wrong. You don't think so? For me, I am a a fan of blue. Uh, The more blue, the better. I think they look awesome. I love them. I would not change a thing. I think they are the best Montreal Canadian uniforms there. I said it.
0: Whoa. That's right. See, I think you're a madman because I think I've said on this podcast <laughs> that I think the red Montreal jersey might be my favorite jersey in hockey. So I think you're insane.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to agree to disagree on this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to know where our <laughs> listeners come down on that. I am also, I'm not saying the blue ones are bad. I am absolutely not saying that, but that classic red Montreal jersey, swoon swoonworthy. Anyway, speaking of swoonworthy, the Dallas Stars are really freaking good at hockey, and that <laughs> is where the Blackhawks are heading this weekend to take them on on Super Bowl Sunday, so you're either going to be real happy or real sad going into the big game as the Blackhawks and the Stars tangle in big D. They're just
1: really, really good. And I think, James, I'm ready to say
0: it, despite them follow,
1: you know, uh, being in the Stanley Cup final last year, the Dallas Stars, pretty good.
0: <laughs> I will point out that the Dallas Stars managed to get one point in two games against the uh, Hurricanes over the weekend. So, Blackhawks got three against Carolina. I'm not saying, I'm just saying.
1: You're saying that the Hawks are going to take all four points from Dallas? That's what I heard you say. I,
0: I mean, that's... Do the math, Jay Zawaski. Do the frickin' math. That's all I'm saying.
1: Done. Yes. James (laughs) Neville has guaranteed a sweep of the Dallas Stars. You heard it here, here, folks, on the Madhouse podcast.
0: Boy, that's, uh, I don't know, man. I feel like this is a very tenuous branch that I'm out on. I feel like it's uh, about to collapse underneath me and not just because I'm fat. But if you're right, look how smart you are. That's true. That's true. That's and that's something we could probably say for our of all of our Cholula hot takes is that look how brilliant we are, huh? Yeah. Oh, well, we're definitely brilliant. That's that's. You were supposed to play the sound, man. What's wrong with you? I'm trying to, but I forgot how. You got this precious new <laughs> soundboard. You were so. Ex- <laughs> you were so. Now this is me spitting fire. So that's perfect. We got a new one you were- too. You were.
1: We got one. And we got this one. We'll let you decide which one you like the best for your chicle. Oh, Want to review them again? All right. Here's option one. All right. Option two. Option three. I got one more for you. Ready? Yeah. I'll let so you
0: pick the one. All of a sudden turning into a Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> podcast with the cannon going off there, it sounded like. All right. Well, you, Are, you pick the one you want. You tell me. Any, I, I still feel like the first one actually sounds like a Cholula hot because it's flame sounding. So, our fire sounding. Just yeah, I don't. I don't does fire fire make sound? Right? It has to. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting off on the wrong track here. I think the thing we need to focus on is that the Blackhawks have another really stern test coming up against Dallas. And yes, I know Dallas has lost three of their last four games. They lost to Columbus this evening at nationwide arena. However, they are still a really darn good hockey team that really made the Nashville Predators look bad in the first week of the season. When it went and beat Detroit very handily as they should. And they did score six goals against Columbus on Tuesday. So I'm just saying that the Dallas stars are a pretty darn good hockey team and the Blackhawks are in for another really stern test. And more importantly, have to note this, the stars get last line change. So any little matchup games that Jeremy Colleton's been playing will not be able to play them at American airlines arena this weekend. Yeah. Hawks,
1: by the way, four, one and one at home. So when he does get a chance to dictate those matchups, it works out pretty well. Um, By the way, you mentioned Nashville. They might just suck. I'm starting
0: to wonder, man. There's mine. (laughs) Nashville might suck. Well, you've already said that their hot chicken has been bested. So, clearly, this is not a good good night for Nashville. I will also say Nashville had a really nice comeback win against Florida tonight.
1: Well, Dallas is... And James, remember we were talking about Joe Pavelski. There were some rumors a couple years ago that maybe he maybe just maybe he would end up with the Hawks. Yep. And we have the thought of like, you know, he's one of those guys where he plays with the same team his whole life, then moves on somewhere else. And, and it's just not quite the same. Well, <laughs> in, boy, how dumb we were in eight games. Joe Pavelski has 14 points. Blackhawks' leading scorer, Patrick Kane, who had four tonight in the Hawks' 12th game, has 15 points.
0: Uh, Pavelski had an assist tonight, so he's actually up to 15 points. Oh, who would have thought that
1: NHL.com is not updated?
0: (laughs) Uh, Joe Pavelski this season has had three multi-point games, and all of them he had three or more points. He's had one game so far this season that he was held off the score sheet.
1: They're, they're just really good. They've got four guys who are point-per-game players. Pavelski, John Klinberg has 10 points in eight games. Guryanov has eight. Radulov has eight. We what haven't mentioned Jamie Benn yet, man. who is sixth on the team in scoring.
0: <laughs> oh, that's all? Stupid Jamie Benn. Come on, man. He's going to, like, score 14 goals against the Blackhawks on yeah, Sunday. By
1: the way, you know who's on the stars and actually kind of making an impact? Who that? Blackhawks legend Tanner Caro.
0: Yeah, he is.
1: Yeah, he's playing. He's he's like actually uh, a a role player for the Dallas Stars, so I might get to see him again, which is exciting for literally <laughs> well, no one but me. I mean, I, I was wa- I was
0: watching Montreal tonight, and I was watching Philip Dano play, so I know all about this. Yeah, but he's good. <laughs> he's actually like a <laughs> selkie worthy player.
1: Tanner Caro's a dude. He's a dude. He was was growing on the Blackhawks fourth line farm <laughs> with um. Oh, God. Who's the guy that was traded the night of the draft? Brandon Machinter. (laughs) He's another one. Went to Vancouver. (laughs) He's actually not terrible. Oh, my God. I'm blanking.
0: Didn't Tanner. (sighs) What? Ryan Stanton? Nope. Forward. Ryan Stanton did go to Vancouver. That was not a complete idiotic statement. No,
1: people are yelling at us in the car. Um, He had a bad number. (sighs)
0: He got traded at the draft.
1: When we had the draft, like he was supposed to be there to sign the draft in Chicago. He's like supposed to be there to sign autographs. And like, he will not
0: appear tonight as he's been traded. They traded Tanner Caro nope. to Vancouver at the draft. Nope. In 2018. Tyler Mott. Thank you. Okay. I'm just saying they did <laughs> make a draft trade with Vancouver. Yes. Okay.
1: Tyler Mott is who we were. Do you
0: remember about. who they got for Tanner Caro, by the way? No. Michael Kaput. Chaput? couplets i don't even remember screw that guy he doesn't matter or something that's correct take good job (laughs) all right we're gonna you should get a. you should get a ding (laughs) on there like for what i make a good point ding point for me
1: oh let's see do i gotta have something like that on here i've got uh well you know what maybe i don't i've got a harp that's kind of nice
0: wow that sounds nice right that's rep that's like when we have a revelation Now you know what i have for you
1: you hit it right on the
0: button there There you go. Yeah, see, you cut off your name. That was really nice. He did did say it to me.
1: Yeah, I I remember. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Before we let you go, got to tell you about our friends out there in Crest Hill at Mariska's 604 Theater Street. Family owned and operated since 1933. Go visit Joe Zdralovich and his family out there, get yourself a poor boy. The steaks, the chops, the seafood. Lent is coming. That Icelandic cod is amazing. You're going to want to get that. You're going to want to try it. You're going to absolutely friggin' love it. Marishka's is the greatest. So go visit them. 604 Theater Street. Check out their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Marishka's, or go to marishka's.com. That's M E R. I-C-H-K-A-S are closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go support our friends out there at Crest Hill at Marishkas. For my partner, James Naveau, my name is Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishkas and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. average weight loss 15.4 pounds in first two months for guarantee cancel within first 14 days discount with two months of auto delivery food charged and shipped every four weeks call or see website for details do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door all delivered for free it's easy to follow and you'll see results in your first week just text BODY to 323232 you'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat burning mode text BODY to 323232 3232 Right now and get 50% off a month of meals and shakes. That's right. 50% off a month of meals and 50% off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system. Just text body to 323232 32 32 right now. There's even a money back guarantee. Millions of people have lost weight with NutriSystem, and you can too. Lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. Just text body to 323232. 32 32. That's B O D Y to 323232. 32 32. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for recurring on to text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Bose is a registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealer. See dealer for details.